0: It's often the little things, small behaviors that can change our lives. That's the power of a financial edge. I'm Ed Meek. I'm a financial advisor with a passion to help you retire early, save more, and live better. Welcome to Ed's Edge, the podcast to help you live the life you've always wanted.
1: Welcome to a special episode of Ed's Edge. Today, we wanted to talk about something all of you can relate to, buying and selling homes. And I wanted to kick things off with a short story about myself personally in this chapter of buying and selling homes. So about 10 years ago, my wife and I decided to buy our first home. It was a townhouse. And fast forward about three years ago, we were seven years into our townhome, um, we ha- now have a child, he wants a backyard, you know, we're, we're outgrowing. He wants the a backyard.
0: He said, dad, I want a backyard. He's four. Daddy wanted the backyard. <laughs> yeah. Theo knows what he wants. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. He and wants the new patio too. Is that what he wants? He wants a new patio. Yeah. That's,
1: that's what he wrote down and, and sent to me. It was on his Christmas list for Santa. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Um, and so we ended up, um, being in the market about a year and a half ago for a single family home. Uh, This was the first time I had had to have this transition of both selling and buying a house. And I quickly realized it was a little more for me than I could tackle on my own. Enter Dave Swanson, a phenomenal real estate agent. Thank you, James. Quick background on Dave. You're welcome. You're most welcome. Quick background on Dave is he is is more or less a family friend. Um, My wife had taught his son,
2: she did in school. Great teacher. Best teacher. <laughs> <Favorite>. <laughs> I'll, tell, I'll
1: tell you said that she yeah. knows.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I got to know one of your children only briefly. Um, he had uh, enjoyed the game of chess. And so when I started uh, tutoring that that game, uh, Dylan um, uh, had had entered in a couple lessons with myself. So we got to know Dave early on and we, we realized real quick when we we're in this chapter for a home, we needed help. And, and Dave was absolutely phenomenal in helping us through that transition. And so what we wanted to do today is really talk about the housing market, what's going on most recently, and talk about some tips and pitfalls to avoid with what you're hearing on the news, what we're worried about for ourselves, and, and tackle all that. So let's, let's get going. What
0: like when we look at the real estate market today? What what are we seeing? Like in you're out in Naperville, right? So we're yeah. in the suburbs of Chicago. So Correct. What what's going on?
2: It is uh, a market like none I've ever seen before. I've been doing this uh, for 21 years now, and uh, been through obviously uh, some great times, some very rough times, uh, some what I would call normal times. And the last three years, it has been uh, it's been crazy here. And when I say crazy, I'm talking about. Uh, the the amount of demand uh, in this marketplace has been just incredible. Uh, we've never seen anything like it. Uh, we didn't anticipate this at all. You know, for many years, um, the news has only talked about how Illinois has more people leaving than moving in. And our pricing was very flat from about 2014 to 2020. Mm-hmm. I could look at comps that were three years old and one might have, you know, sold it X, and then two years later sold at X plus 5%, then two years later sold at X minus 5%. So it was very flat. When COVID started, we had this exodus of people from the city that started creating a lot of demand on the suburbs. And so we anticipated that this was going to be kind of COVID specific. And once it was done, it would it would peter out. But what we didn't really take fully into consideration, even though we had been told about it, I had been told about it a decade prior, was the amount of growth that would be coming uh, in the real estate market from what they call just household growth. So, for example, uh, how many children do you have? Three. You have three children. So for many years, uh, you and your wife and your three kids were all in one home. Mm-hmm. And now you're moving to a point where you could theoretically need four homes, right? Yours plus each of the children having one. So that's where household growth creates are additional you, are demand. Are you having
0: me buy my children's three houses?
2: We'll talk about that. Okay.
0: <laughs> Jeez.
2: <laughs> but uh, th- this, this is where this additional demand has come from. And so that's why this, this this demand has legs and is just continuing to to go on because we have basically a fixed amount of supply. We really didn't have anything built from, say, 2009 to 2020 in terms of new construction and, and new inventory. And a lot of people were kind of freaked out by the housing recession. And so, you know, a lot of the kids were graduating school during that time just held back and didn't buy. They rented, they were in the city, they were wherever. And then of course, you know, they started to have families and needing more space. And so all of a sudden you have this like perfect storm and that's what we've been dealing with the last three years and it's just kind of continuing.
1: Yeah, yeah. You shared a stat with me. So you mentioned 2014 to 2020, the market was basically flat. Correct. The last three years hasn't been the case.
2: No, we've had uh, almost 30 to 35% appreciation. Is that (laughs) that in like
0: all levels of houses? Like the more affordable starter homes and and the the more expensive, or is it just All the way across. Hmm. And it has to do with the demand. Like there's more demand than what, there's just not as much available. Correct. So it's pushing the prices up. The demand went
2: way up, as we said, after COVID. And we kind of burned through that a bit. But now what we're seeing is as interest rates rise, you know, historically when interest rates go up, it pushes home prices down or stabilizes home prices because your payment starts to go up. So the conventional wisdom is that when interest rates go down, housing prices can go up. And when interest rates go up, housing prices can go down or flatten out. Well, That's this logic. is this logical. Right. Right. So this time around, it's it's totally different, right? <coughs> interest rates have gone crazy, but you still have this huge amount of demand. So what's happened is a lot of sellers or potential sellers that might be upgraders, for example, they're saying, gee, we're at this 3% mortgage on our house. We really don't feel comfortable going from a $400,000 to an $800,000 house because now, not only will our payment go up because of the increase in the price, but now our rate's going to double, so it's a it's a double whammy. So, I'm so people, we're good. <laughs> well, I mean, I've, ex-
0: I've experienced that with numerous clients that were looking to do that or help their kids do that. And when we do the numbers, it just doesn't even make any sense. And so then they end up doing what can I do to stay here? Remodel, right. update, right, 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 and exactly.
2: So consequently, that house doesn't come to market, right? So we've got this artificially low inventory, and we still have a lot of demand. So now even with these in, with these higher interest rates the buyers just have less to choose from. So they're all competing with each other for this reduced inventory, which is continuing to push pricing up. It's a, it's a difficult situation for buyers to say the
0: least. I, I hate asking this question because I hate it when I don't hate it, but we get these, this kind of question when it comes to the stock market. So what do you foresee? You know, we have no idea, right? What's going to happen in the stock market day to day. Over the long term, we, we kind of have a, a gist of what it assuming the economy kind of performs normally, but like, what are you reading and seeing like this year, maybe, or just kind of for the next year or two, just, and, and I'm not holding you to it because things change, right? But w- what are you thinking?
2: I wish I had a crystal ball, but yeah. I can tell you that the amount of new construction that's coming online is still way too slow relative to the amount of demand. So we are looking at this imbalance in supply and demand continuing for, as far as we can see, at least the next several years. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: You know, and that contradicts what a lot of the news headlines tells us is, you know, rates are higher. Mortgages are more expensive. You know, nobody's going to be able to afford a home. Right. And some of there's some merit there, but it's exaggerated because that's what sells in the news headline. And so um, talk to us a little bit about what the news is telling us versus what you're seeing, fundamentally speaking, in, in the facts as opposed to what's being drawn out?
2: Great question. Thank you. Uh, it's true. the The news media, in the last week or so, I've heard that there's a housing crash. And what they're really looking at is the number of contracts this year versus last year. And the number of contracts is way down. It is for us as well. But that's not due to the demand being lower. That's due to the supply being lower. So prices are still going up because that that demand is so much higher than the supply. So it's not a, at all a matter of the real estate market crashing. It's just looking at those numbers, that's one way you could interpret mm. it, but it's not the correct interpretation, at least not here.
0: Yeah. So let's let's look at, if somebody's looking to buy a home, what are some tips or a handful of things that you like to tell them to start thinking about or preparing, either even before they might talk to you?
2: So I think it's very important to talk to your financial advisor And also good answer. (laughs) (laughs) I think it is because it's especially Tim. We'll get into why I think that is or why I recommend that. But that piece also working with a, 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 what I call a brick and mortar mortgage lender. And what that means is someone that's local, that has connections in the real estate community. And that is someone that can be held accountable for that mortgage getting done. So a lot of people they'll, they'll go online and they'll find an online lender and uh, then they'll wind up in a multiple offer with a bunch of other buyers and the buyer that has the local lender that those realtors know is going to be able to deliver. thats with a strong financial institution. Mm-hmm. If those two offers are on the table and they're similar, they're going to go with a stronger lender because it just gives them, it's less risk for that seller as opposed to some random online. I tell people, I'm like, use brick and mortar on the purchase. When you want to do a refi, it doesn't matter where you go because if you don't close, ah. it's still your house, Right. Right. But when you're trying to win something, the risk is different. Yeah, so it's it's very important to get a a strong local lender involved. You know, you may pay a quarter point more or something. Don't worry about it because if you want to win that house, that's going to be a key piece.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's great. Shameless plug: James and I have a really good local lender. (laughs) We do. It's very important.
2: Also, it's very important to get a, a local realtor. So real estate is very what I like to say, micro market specific. So if somebody says- Wait, oh,
1: micro market specific. Correct. I want to so, hear about that.
2: Yeah. What that means is nobody can be an expert in an area the size of Chicagoland, right? When you're mm-hmm. talking about valuations and what specific influences are within a, a particular community. So I primarily work in Naperville. Well, is a, a 27 square mile community, right? So there's a lot of uh, different influences within that community on value, et cetera. And- for someone to take on all of Chicago land or a bigger area like that, they really aren't an expert at the whole area. So I really recommend having somebody that's truly an expert at the, at the areas that you're considering. So for example, you know, if you're looking in Barrington, you should have a Barrington agent helping. You. If you're looking in Naperville, you should have a Naperville.
0: Somebody agent calls you. you and says that, what do you do in that situation? Like, Hey, can you help me in Barrington? You will say what?
2: Sure. Well, I, I will, I will help them, but I will also recommend that they have somebody that's in that marketplace, mm-hmm. so it just depends on what their comfort level is and what they're looking to do, and what my comfort level is with that as well. So yeah, one of
0: my clients is in with that properties in, in a, mm-hmm. another suburb, not even close mm-hmm. to you. So I'll still give you referrals, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but whenever I did that with him, like I had, I had a client who was looking to try to sell something in Chicago, and he's like, hey, you know, I just I won't be able to help her as much. So he knew an expert that was there. So that's really a good tip I mean that's something that you want to make sure if you got somebody who's like you know in one area and they're 30 miles away say oh I can help you they're probably not going to be able to do nearly as good of a job
2: right more important on the selling side
0: yeah okay yeah that's good good tip good tip yeah that makes sense yeah, a lot of things are okay. different
2: today on the buying side it's like oh well, you know can we look at comps and trust me when we look at comps and you're basing your your offer on a sale from six months ago, you're going to lose because
0: mm-hmm. it's, it's it's ever, a competitive it's market.
2: It's almost always a multiple offer situation and it's who's willing to go the highest. So it's, it's very different than it ever has been.
1: Great. So let's talk about some mistakes that you've experienced some of your clients make um, that you've had to, you know, write the ship on.
2: Well, I'm not sure it's a mistake, but there's a lot of fear in the marketplace. Uh, buyers are afraid that they're buying at the high. Uh, they're afraid that the interest rates are too high. And so a lot of people are are sitting on the sidelines waiting for prices to come down, waiting for mortgage rates to come down. And I have a lot of clients that have been sitting there for a year, year and a half. And now they're looking at the pricing going, oh my gosh, I, I should have bought a year ago. I should have bought a year and a half ago. And based on what we talked about before with this supply and demand imbalance, the longer they sit on the sidelines, the likely it is the further behind the eight ball they're going to get. So even though it's a tough environment to buy in right now, there's a lot of competition. The rates are not appealing. It's still important to jump in and get it done right now. We have a saying in this business, kind of corny, but it, it's fun. And that is that you marry the house and you date the rate. And what that means is, that's good. go ahead and buy the house now. That is the rate good. may not be appealing. I like that. But you can always refinance a year, a year and a half, two years down the road. And today we're at six and a half, a little bit higher maybe on the rates. People are very freaked out by that number, but doing this for 21 years, that's a historically normal rate. Mm -hmm. So the expectation. Yeah, yeah.
1: Just that is really good. Like this is is normal now. We got spoiled the last 10
2: years, right? right, Correct. We thought that was the new normal. It's probably not. They
0: could come down a little bit over the next year or two. You and I were just talking about this. I think they will. But maybe a percent or something, right? I mean, the likelihood of... You being able to get a 30-year mortgage in the forest, I don't know if that's going to happen for a long time again. This all had to do with what was going on with interest rates starting in the 80s and 90s, right, when we were younger. And they came down in a way that we had never seen in history for like 30 years. And then the government started controlling things and, and manipulating interest rates to a place where we had never seen them before. So Correct. don't ever think that that's going to get to that place. In our lifetime, it might not ever it get It may there. not. So I think that's really helpful. You know, one follow up question regarding that. Sometimes people will buy a house. And they're not like thinking, oh, I I uh I how long am I gonna live here? When you tell people, hey, if you're gonna buy a house, in order just there's a lot of costs kind of, you know, when you're buying a house, how long do you think people should live there to make it like, hey, you should st- still consider buying this?
2: Great question. It kind of depends on what your specific goals are, mm-hmm. what your needs are. I think from a financial standpoint, it depends also obviously on the appreciation rate Mm -hmm. in today's market, probably three years. Historically, I would say five.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: That's good. You know, it's a, it it makes sense though, and that it does depend. And and while that seems like a broad answer, how many times have we had clients that tell us how much money do I need to retire? Well, it depends on your lifestyle and your goals and everything else. So, you know, there's, there's rules of thought school, you know, schools of thought, but, um, you know that's where again having someone that knows your personal situation in the housing market can really help hone in on what makes
0: sense and what doesn't so three years you're saying three years if houses keep going up the way they've been going up correct. right if they if they start going up at a more like leisure regular then maybe closer to five correct and and again you know i get it right but every situation is going to be a little bit different but yeah, yeah, I, I do like to do that with people sometimes because sometimes they just don't they're doing it and they're not thinking, you know, I might get a promotion. There's a chance I could be moved somewhere else. And, you know, a year and a half later, like, hey, Dave, you know, we're selling it. And you're thinking, man, you're paying me a lot in commissions. And <laughs> I'm not sure you, you can't quite make up for it all when there's all those short term costs.
2: No, you can't.
1: Yeah. 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 And th- that's ties to really another piece. Let's talk about the non-financial parts of buying and selling a home. What are some key items that people should consider?
2: Great question, James. The, uh, the most important thing with, with buying a home is that it's a, it's a very emotional decision. It's Mm -hmm. not like you're buying something objectively like other asset classes. It's, it's very emotional. You're going to live there. Uh, you're going to
1: raise your your family family
2: there. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so with buying a home, it doesn't always make Total financial sense, right? But you're buying a lifestyle; it's a cost of living, and so we only get one time through here. So you want to have a comfortable, nice place to live, and people can get too caught up in in the financial details. Like, oh, as long as it's affordable for you, and you like the home, and it's going to make you happy, that's what you should be considering.
1: It ties to a really good point that uh, Ed and I have talked about plenty on on these podcasts, which is you know. Uh, part of our job isn't necessarily to maximize our wealth at all costs right it's to maximize our life Mm -hmm. and using our financial assets
0: as fuel to do that and i think that's what you think you go to extreme i mean if that was it what you just said to maximize wealth we would just tell everybody go to extremes don't ever eat out (laughs) eat cat food Yeah. Uh make, rice and beans, make, beans and make, rice, make, right? Make your second, Ramsey. third, and fourth child wear the same clothes. Don't right. ever improve your house. Right. Don't ever improve your house. Right, exactly. Mow your lawn with the push mower, right? That's no, right. Not, I'm kidding. So these are all exaggerations, but this is a this is a good example of how so people will ask us, buy the home. It's a great investment. It's not a good investment. Well, it's somewhere in between. And a lot of it has to do with what you were saying is you are putting money into something that will create, hopefully, a better lifestyle for your family. And there is a partial investment in it. We wouldn't suggest, like we don't suggest usually from from a purely financial perspective, just buy the thing down as quick as you possibly can. But that's that's debatable depending on circumstances. But you do have to take all these things into account. And that, I think, is a really important thing to take into consideration.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think especially when it... uh, Maximizing the wealth versus maximizing life. One thing that you educated me on a year and a half ago, and we started engaging was you know, the market will be the market. The real estate market's going to do its thing. You need to do you. What do you want? Focus on what you want, play your game, and then look at the environment second. Instead of looking at the environment first, mm-hmm. which naturally we're human beings creates a lot of angst, fear,
2: mm-hmm. fear,
1: right?
0: And and then we ignore what we actually want and what keeps us. I fulfilled. think it that was helpful for you. I remember because this house was you know when you were talking to me about hey you know we think our rate is here and then you were looking at this you were just and like, the rates uh, kept going up as right, I was looking and, and I'm thinking so it was you more know. than you thought uh, <laughs> right, you know right. I remember the first house I bought uh, you know. Uh, so many years ago, uh, we bought it for two fifteen, and we were like our range. I think it was like one seventy five, and it's not that we couldn't afford two fifteen, but the numbers said I shouldn't buy some. But it ended up being great for all the reasons that you were saying. So yeah, there's a lot. It, there's a lot of things to consider. This and you've been super helpful. What kind of questions do you have for us around any of this?
2: So one of the things that I've been seeing a lot in the last year or two is because it is such a competitive environment with buyers a nice property will almost always have multiple offers on it and it'll go to a highest and best type scenario and we're seeing a lot of people that are buying getting help from their families their parents etc mm. with the downstroke on that home so they can either have a larger down payment mm. or even pay cash for the home and then they'll turn around and get a mortgage after they've after they've won the bidding war on that particular ah,
0: home wow that's interesting yeah
2: we're seeing that a lot. Right. I I've never seen the number of cash purchases ever before that I've seen the last. And couple part years. of
0: it's around all of this, just somebody helping them, so then they can make sure they get into the place they want. Increase the ads. Right. I want yeah. the
1: inside track. Right. A right. big, big piece. Wow.
0: wow. That uh, makes that that's interesting. But we've been seeing that. Like I I have with you know clients who are approaching me, and they're like, hey, we might want to help help the kids, you know, and that's again where the family and the and the parents or whoever could help want to talk to their financial advisor and say, you know, we think we want to do this. Maybe How, can we swing it? And what does that look like? And, and, How does you it know, impact we, us? right. Right. Um, great questions, you know, and, and so there are, there are various ways to do that, that we can creatively help you do, uh,
1: But that's something that
0: if they have a good relationship with their with their parents, it's, you know, something to consider looking into, I think.
1: You know, it it reminds me of a a story of a a client I talked to in 2021 when the housing market kind of started this boom, um, got its legs going and the stock market was really good. And so on paper, if I took if I was all in stocks and my assets, I was feeling good in 2021. COVID was a quick drop and then boom, we were off and running Mm -hmm. and um, and. Uh, this c- couple was in the market for a home and they wanted to spend cash on that house. And it was going to be about half a million dollars. And that was their desire just to spend cash for those exact reasons you talked about is I want to put myself in the best position to buy the, the home because I knew the market was hot, but they're all in stocks. And so we quickly shift gears and got them more conservative Fortunately, because they bought in twenty twenty two and we all know what happened in twenty twenty two with the stock. We do what happened. (laughs) We had a little drop. (laughs) COVID dropped. (laughs) but then it did come back. It did come back. Yes, exactly. But it was poor timing had they not, you know, gotten conservative. And so one of the Mm -hmm. most critical pieces of advice is if you're in a market for a home and you have this cash you want to earmark for it, do not take risk for that. Right. That's a big, big deal. So Dave, thank you so much for coming on and talking with all of us about what's going on in this this market real estate-wise. It was a pleasure. Yes, yes. We hope you found this helpful. No matter what stage of life you're in, shifting to retirement, helping your kids out, wanting to figure out what to do, um, ignoring the news and
0: playing your game. I'm, gl- I'm glad that we did this. James didn't want to have him on, but I insisted. So. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. So Dave, you're the man. Um, we'll post
1: his information on the website in case anyone wants to you know, talk to him about what's going on.
2: Be happy to help. Thank you, James.
1: Thanks, everyone, for watching. Thanks. We'll man. talk to you Thanks. next time. Yep.
0: This podcast represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time, should not be relied upon as investment advice and is not intended to predict or depict performance of any investment. Any specific recommendations or comparisons that are made as to particular securities or strategies are for illustrative purposes only and are not meant as investment advice for any viewer.